watched. Fuck. I didn't push record. I was gonna ask you why if that thing normally flashes. <laughs> we'll just go. Again. I no. thought that I was ruining, ruining. No, no. Fuck. All right, here we go. We'll go again. Can you burp? Oh, you didn't even get no, that. No, I didn't even get that. Oh man. <laughs> can that you burp on? Can you? No, I can't. I no. can't do no. it. No. Oh, that's... <laughs> it's gross, but I'm jealous too. Ming in. All right. You just got to try. Ladies and gentlemen. to publish, perish, or podcast your opportunity to look behind the scenes of science to see if science is ever sad. I'm Andy Stapleton, and joining me today are Christopher T. Bag Gibson. Namaste, BA. Namaste, Schmoopy, again. And Cameron Schmoopy Shearer. Good results, Chris, and good acquisitions, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> Customer acquisition, good. <laughs> and remember. a little bit of the behind the scenes, I actually forgot to push record. Yeah, so, I'm uh, getting a real sense of deja yeah, vu. Yeah, real right deja now. vu. Feels like we've been here before. That's right. Um, Gibson? Yeah? When's the last time you were sad? Oh, gosh. Um, every day, Not Andy. every day. I wasn't expecting I that answer. I my pillow every day. Uh, actually, I'm glad we're doing it. we had to do this again because now I remember the movie I watched recently that made me sad. Go it was on. Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. I Which love bit? that film. The bit where he hangs himself. Uh, no, you know what it is? It's actually the very, very end when Morgan Freeman goes onto the beach and he sees um, Tim Robbins. Andy. Andy, sorry, sanding down his um That's happy his part, boat. isn't it? It's happy but sad at the same time. Why? It's like Because you hate fishing. <laughs> No, because it, these two men, they it's a love story and they love each other. Yeah. And they finally get to Hang um, on, is, be is friends Is Shawshank Redemption just like a, an episode of Glee where it, they're all dancing and like, woohoo? It is, but it's set in a um, high security prison. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. And there's lots of people getting beaten up a lot so and, right. and abuse. But no, I, I, it, was, it was good. There were definitely sad bits though, like... When he's getting beaten regularly, I found that really sad. That's normally quite sad. It's yeah. nice to know that you have some empathy anyway. I do. It's nice, I do. isn't it? I do. Yeah. Shmoo, sir, when were you last sad? Well, you know I really like sports. You lo- <laughs> Hang on. You yes. like sports. I do. All sports. Some select sports, but some sports more than others as yeah. well. Yeah, all right. Mm. And the last Sunday just been the Australian cricket team Played really badly at cricket. Ooh. Oh, I feel so sad for me uh, and my team. And so that made me very sad. Uh, well, how does it manifest? Is it like you're just grumpy and short, or do you go out and like do some practice bowling, or <laughs> what? Like, how does <laughs> how does it work? Bowl at the nets. Oh, I'm grumpy and short. Yeah, okay. yeah. I don't. There's no. I don't take any action to to reconvene. You just stew. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, gross. Andy? Oh, guys. Being an entrepreneur is... I I go through happy, sad cycles, I reckon, like three or four times a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's... uh, I was in a sad moment yesterday, Mm -hmm. but then yesterday afternoon, something good happened. Then I was happy again. Oh. So, look, just I'm cycling. I Actually, during this podcast, I may actually become sad mm-hmm. and when that happens i'll let you know let us know and we'll pile on and see if we can get you to cry uh, <laughs> i have something like that happens to me when i drink beer at the beginning of drinking beer i'm happy yeah and then i drink more beer 
and I get really happy. Yeah. And then by about 15 beers, I get sad and tired. Yeah. And then by 20 beers, I get sick. Yeah. And, oh, and, and they say happy again. No, no. Then the next morning, I feel really bad. Shout out to a regular listener, Arnold Bonilla. Uh, oh. He is a drunk crier. Oh, he so likes he to cry loves, when he's he drunk. He loves having a good little weep when he's drunk. Like, oh. just loves, loves coming up. Like, it also, it's all from a good place. Yeah. Like, he's like, man, you know, it's so great to be in Australia because he's from, like, he's from Colombia. And yeah. he's like, oh, I'm so pleased I met you. And I'm like, thanks, Arnold. Makes me feel good. Does he ever mention me when he's crying? Mm, no. Hmm. Science and sadness? Oh, yeah. That's what oh, this yeah. is about, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I don't... So, I think science would... Would use sadness proactively. I feel like science, if if something went wrong, it would be sad, but just for a moment, and then it would reflect and be like, you know, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to grow, and I'm going to use it that way. So it's kind of like, I imagine a single tear rolling down its face, and just like that stoic slow zoom just into its face. So in your mind, science has has a face. Absolutely. What's the face look like? Like me. Andy, uh, Chris? Chris, okay. Um, that's me. Uh, science would definitely experience sadness and it would want to do that because science wants to experience everything to its ultimate. Ooh, so wow. it would want to like experience that. rage to the ultimate, happiness yeah. to the ultimate. So it just wants to find the limits. It just wants to find the limits. Wow. And it would experience sadness in such a way that we wouldn't even be able to conceive the depths of sadness yeah. it could achieve. Yeah, and still bounce back from Well, I mean, every emotion we can think of, it would explore to the absolute limit and beyond and discover new emotions. Yeah. Like that combination of like sexual arousal and sadness. That's a really interesting spot. Yeah. Those two don't usually coalesce for me. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Shmoopy? I think that there's no place for emotion in science. And so science wouldn't feel sadness. It wouldn't feel any emotion. So science is all about facts, yeah. and facts can't be clouded by sadness, happiness, joy, anything like but that. But isn't it that some of the best science ever is from like emotion and like creativity that's been spurred on by and determination the and being driven and passion? I think and that power. those are stories that have been backfilled in to oh, answer how okay. something's happened. All right, mm, I don't know. All right, let's remove the A from Steam, hey? Stem. Stem. Because <laughs> the A stands for arts. Oh, does it now? Yeah, because oh. that's what they're trying to put in, isn't it? Oh, are they really? Yeah. Bloody arts. Have you done that <laughs> talk already about what does steam mean to you? No, no, I'm doing that um, uh, next week. Okay, that's why you've got that. That's why it's a state of matter. Yeah. It's, a, it's a gas. Yeah. Well, I think you said that joke last time. Re-listening to the podcast, I often like think of a joke in my head and then I say it in the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, good on you, Cameron. Good on you. <laughs> there's, there's something in my nose, Gibbo. Uh, Gibbo is in my nose, mate. Can you see it? What's like up there? A lot of hair. Hair and... Snow. And... No, snow. <laughs> and... Hair and snow. No, no, snow. Snow stuck on and, hair. I think and, it's dandruff. Ah. Uh, oh, it's feedback from listeners. Oh, it's, it's news of the week. Ah, I got it wrong. Yeah, I got it wrong. News of the week. It was yeah. news. News was coming yeah, out. Yeah, news. Notes. Looked a lot like mucus. <laughs> Do you know I got a little weird polyp in my in my nostril this week, but now it's deflated again. It's weird. I don't oh, know good. what it is. 
Um, mm, I'll go first. Because... Well, you know, you've, I mean, you've already started. For oh, yeah, one. thanks. Yeah. I will. Yeah, I got a pollock. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! That's your news done. Yeah, On to perfect. Use, maybe. All right. Um, I've, I'm sorry about this, guys. Do it. I've, I've got something to break to both of you. Oh, Holy shit. Is this one of those one of those times where you say you've cheated on us with another podcast? This is preemptive cheating. Oh, you're warning us about a cheating. I'm going to say I'm going to cheat on you. That doesn't lessen the blow, my friend. But this, get this. I may actually become famous after this. I am doing a podcast at the Science Communication Conference. Oh, yeah. With Dr. Carl. Uh, Dr. Carl, Australia's famous Dr. Carl Krasinski 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 He's actually pretty good Yeah. The, the, so for our international listeners He's like the person for Psycom The yeah. Australian Bill Nye Yeah, that's a yeah. very oh. good <laughs> Who's yeah. the same in the UK, you two? Uh, oh, the Cox Nah, Cox is He's not quite Brian Cox level So yeah, look guys it, it may be that I just become instantly famous after this and I, we may have to just kill this podcast. So is this a Dr. Carl Andy crossover? It's doc- So he's actually doing the podcast you mentioned earlier. So it's three, there's four of us and it's Dr. Carl, me and a couple of other researchers who aren't as famous as Dr. Carl and I can't remember their names. Yeah. Um, and they're saying the same thing. And they're the same, same thing right now on their podcast. <laughs> being like, it's Dr. Carl and this bald guy. With a hairy, no- with hairy nostrils. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that's happening. I'm super excited. Australia Science Communicators Conference next week. Last week I said, did I tell you that I was staying in a capsule hotel? I think I did. Ah, I did, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Your little coffin tube. Yeah, so what I've got to do is, because at first I thought I'm there, I don't really have to stay like on it. So that's why I booked the capsule hotel because I was like, no, oh, I'll be fine. Well, the conference is a conference. But now that oh. I have to be on, yeah, maybe the capsule hotel wasn't the, the greatest idea because I'm going to just be woken up all the time by people getting in and out of their capsules. So yeah. watch this space. I'll let you know how it goes. But I mean, luckily for you is you won't have bed hair. Um, Fuck off. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, zing. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> so Good it's, one. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite hard to tell Sorry. if you have a bad night's sleep, I think. Thank you very much. Yeah, the only thing you know is my bum hair is just parted differently. <laughs> That's the only thing that's different. And your face is really puffy. Yeah, my face does get puffy. Well done, Gibbo. Good um, for you for noticing. All right. Are you, what are you up to, schmoopster? I mentioned one of the podcasts, Annie may have cut it out, that I've been going through online supervisor training as part oh, of yeah. my... Oh, yeah. No, that uh, rings a bell, and that was on the podcast, I'm sure. Yeah. As part of my progress towards becoming an official supervisor for the first time. Yeah, yep, very good. Uh, so this week, I finally passed them all. And Can you, So it is pass or fail? It's not just like get through it. You, there's a test? There is a test oh. at the end. Hold on, hold on. The implication here is that you have failed sections of this <laughs> in the past? Oh, Oh, I failed the quiz. <laughs> oh, did you really? <laughs> but these are the kind of questions you can't fail. Like, So we talked about the... the, the did yeah. I talk about how the questions were mostly common sense yeah. and you choose the least evil of all the options? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yes, yes. But there were a couple yes. that were... Didn't make sense. Because they, they were the opposite. They kind of con- contradicted each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the final one... I think that those previous quizzes were like very generic for supervision in general. Mm. And this last quiz I think was written by the uni- the university I work at because there's a lot of bureaucracy. Mm. Like what is the name of the document that tells the rules about supervision? Mm. And how many supervision points do you get for supervising an honours student? Six. 
two, I don't four, know the, I, 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 3.5. I don't remember the answer. Uh, so this last quiz was actually really hard because none of those things were in the learning beforehand. Oh, yeah. so I was. I think I was supposed to go and read. Oh, you used to do your own study. The, the yeah, the own study, not even in that online course. Shit, she was. Um, but I just I noticed that I got unlimited tries for the quiz. Mm. Well, so that I, was a horrible thing for you to notice. So I just I just guessed. <sighs> yeah, and then I thought, and they give you feedback at the end, so then you can just go in and be like, choose five different, yeah. six different. Yeah, okay. Brilliant. So. I don't know how much trouble I'm going to get in, <laughs> but not only do they tell you which ones you got wrong uh, at the end, but they also tell you what the right answer was. Yeah. So, oh. So all I had to do was do it once. Yep. Got told the right answers. Yeah. And then filled in the right answers. There you go. And I'm an official supervisor. Well done. That is congratulations. Not very good. No. So the one thing that they think that they put in this quiz about actual supervision is this question. What is the minimum frequency of supervisors? Uh, what is the minimum frequency for supervisors to meet with their students? Is it A, once every six months, B, once a month, C, once a fortnight, or D, once a day? Oh, Jesus, once a day. So the minimum, minimum. fortnight. What? Could you? Could you? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> there was a six month, a three six, month? Six month, month, fortnight, day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd say Fortnite. That would make sense. Yeah, so Fortnite's the answer. Yeah, yeah, but- <laughs> we're the best. That would never happen though in real life, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm aware yeah, of many yeah. people Absolutely. who would go well beyond a Fortnite without yeah. being a supervisor. Yeah, you don't answer those questions perhaps the way you think they should be answered. You answer them the way you think <laughs> the university wants them answered. Answer. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, once you pass this test, this is all like no one actually checks in. With you to be like, hey, you still a good supervisor? Yeah, I guess I'm a, a trained supervisor for life now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah man, well done. Congratulations. It's like riding a bike <laughs> just with someone's career. <laughs> yeah, good. Anything else, Schmoopster? No, I'm going to tease something. Oh, tease away, you naughty little boy. A few episodes ago, I introduced the P-Pop Science Hero. Oh, yeah. Where we uh, somebody brings forth someone who perhaps has done something worthy of being a P-pop hero. Yeah. And then we all must agree to yes. include them. Gibbo, you were and are the first and only member of the P-pop science heroes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. There's a person out there who's on their path to being a P-pop science villain. Oh. Oh, that person is... Are they a listener? They are a listener. I am fucking on to you. Is somebody perhaps owes me something for almost a year now? Maybe it's time to do it. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I reckon it's time. It's time. What have I done wrong now? <laughs> it's time. We'll leave that for a couple of weeks. All right. Then. All right. I owe good. you something. It's not, uh, neither of you two. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> All right, good. Gibbo. Yep. We went out to mate. Oh, me. Okay. Uh, oh, well, you were done, weren't you? Yeah. My news is going to be mercifully short. Yes. This week. So, uh, not much to report. So, H index on Scopus now 22. Nice. Thank you. Matching nice. web of science. I remember collection. my supervisor when I first got to Newcastle was 22, 24, That's something like that. It's me, mate. So, you're in super, you're in like, Professor level now, right? Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Uh, 22. Uh, and a little side note, um, 
went to a, a birthday party on the weekend. Nice. I'm a parent now. Smith, you're going to get used to this. All the birthday parties you'll go to will be your kids' friends' birthday parties. Oh. So get ready for that. His, if he's not going to, this kid's not going to have friends. If he's anything like Schmoopster, just sports. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Wait, his teammates. <laughs> um, you got but, eleven friends in the cricket team. <laughs> what you find is that that when the parents get together, they like to, there was quite a bit of champagne and quite a bit of drinking. Oh. So it's a bit of an excuse for parents to get a bit loose. Yeah. So um, this is kind of connected to uh, to Les Gibbo, but um, I consumed a lot of sausages on bread. Because uh, I, I, for me, psychologically, sausages on bread is not a bad food. Oh, it's one of the worst. I, I know, but to my brain, and it's you would not. Have piled it was three types of sauce too. Yeah, you love Whoa, your sauce. Did I pile it? Did I <laughs> pile sauce, bread, and sausages? I lost count of the number I ate. Like it was getting to a point, people were like looking at me, going, "How many of those have you actually had?" They weren't looking at you and thinking that. So they were thinking, like, "Is he going to leave any for the kids?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. There were kids there, weren't there? So on the fourth yeah. of the eleventh, twenty eighteen, I I I went to the gym and I weighed myself, and I was close to one hundred and seven. Oh, so that's your weight from th- three months ago? No, no, fourth, eleventh, eighteen. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, that's right. Yes, <laughs> so you, yes. you'd gone, you'd lost three months with one I, afternoon with, of beer and essentially sausages. one afternoon. I was because I went to the gym like the day or two before, and I was on track. I was yeah. doing really good, and then in in one day, one sitting. I must have eaten three or four kilos of sausages <laughs> and bread. Anyway, so to get from there to today, which is three days later, the seventh has been has been a struggle. So so. You are looking very pasty. Like you are not healthy today. <laughs> yeah, you. It's been it's been hard work. It's so hard work. when I walked in the house, Cameron's wife Lauren was there, and it was the first time I think you know I looked at her and I was like. She's glowing. Mm. When I got in the car with you, I thought he's pale. He's dimming. He's dimming. dimming. Yeah, yeah. I'm dimming badly. It is the twilight of this guy's career. Yeah, it's been it's been three days of not much fun. Um, so anyway, so let's do less gibbo. Is that really gibbo? Why, why is he eating so many sausages? He's putting on the weight. The fat fuck. That's me. Yeah, so like I said, I was around 107, early 107s on the 4th. and uh, Three last, days ago. Three days ago. Yeah. Now, the last time we weighed, weighed me um, during the podcast, I was 103.1. 103.1. Today, I am 102.9. That so, is... Ugh. So, you've lost 0.2. But you're claiming that you've lost five kilos in three days. Yeah, essentially very close to that. Um, now, if you can only keep up that momentum, you'll be dead in a couple of weeks. <laughs> that, yeah, I can't sustain that, people. I can't sustain that. But I so, assume that you just pooed out five kilos. Well, I mean, look, you you know, food goes in, food yeah. goes out. So that I imagine that's what happened. Not not much of it got stored as um, <laughs> as fat. I didn't give it a chance, I guess, in the last three I days. I love to think that this poor, I mean, this you went to this person's house they were like you know you always have that conversation have we got enough food darling do you think yeah it's just kids and the adults we've got four kilos of sausages i don't think no it'll be fine three sausages each yeah that's right that's plenty that evening there was a conversation that went like this i knew i should have got more sausages yeah Yeah, well it wasn't just sausages i forgot to tell you about the chicken wings like they i just devoured those things as well like (laughs) there was just a smorgasbord of food i just (laughs) threw down what color were your hands Uh, by the end of 
this eating. I was washing them every five Meat minutes. Color. I couldn't get uh. the stain out of them. Just, just sauce, sauce and stain and chicken grease. It was horrendous. Anyway, uh. so that is Gibbo's news. Boom. It's time for Topic of the Day. Topic of the Day. And this comes from Feedback from Listeners. Feedback from Listeners. Feedback from Listeners. Feedback from Listeners. (laughs) All right, everybody. (laughs) It's a combo. It's an old P-pop combo. We haven't done the old P-pop combo for a while. Or or maybe ever. (laughs) (laughs) The old P-pop combo. Um... So the topic for the day comes from um, our forum and we've had two related uh, questions or comments about the topic. So we're going to combine them. But first of all, here's our feedback from listeners. First one. Hi, guys. I recently read that Uni Adelaide and Uni SA were discussing a merger, which seems like uh, which seems to have fallen through. Maybe you guys, especially Cameron, can give a summary about it and what are the advantages and disadvantages of a possible merger. And that's from Mike. Thanks, Mike. The second bit of feedback from listeners says, Hey, guys, I recently read about the Flinders University restructure where 200 academics were going to have to reapply for their jobs. What do you think of this restructure and the new separate teaching specialists and research academic positions that are being implemented? I have benefited greatly from lecturers and demonstrators who teach and conduct research. Isn't there a benefit to having at least some academics who teach and do research? I can see the positives about there being academics who can purely focus on teaching or research. And I've regularly heard from academics uh, how tough it can be to get the balance right between the two. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And also, thank you for continuing to bring this great podcast to our ears, Claire. No worries. Wow. Thanks nice. very much, Claire. Love the little... Thank you. Little Oh, common at the end makes I you feel good, doesn't it? Makes it. you feel good. So right. Mike and Claire, we're going to talk. We're going to combine these, and I believe Schmoopy. I've done some research. You've done some bloody He's research. Bought some bloody Hang hard numbers to this. You're telling me you do research for a job, and then you come home and you do more research. I can't stop it. You can't, can't stop. He's addicted. He absolutely can't stop. It's in my blood. Once you pop, you can't stop. Cut his wrist, and stats fall out. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think that the University of Adelaide and UniSA restructure and the Flinders University its restructure mm. is all coming down to the current climate of the education business yeah. in Australia yeah. where really there are rising profits mm-hmm. and at the same time universities are trying to cut costs. Mm. So a lot of the profits in the university sector are coming from international students. Mm. So we have... In 2016, we had 1 million domestic students enrolled at tertiary education uh, places. I'm just going to call them universities from now on. Mm -hmm. And 400,000 international students. All right. Uh, That's a very large amount of international students. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this number has doubled in the last 14 years. Whoa. Wow. And so when I was applying for my PhD, as a domestic student, um, the fees were... I think they were waived or, you know, like it was just free. But as an international student, it was $20,000 a year. It's up front. Yeah. You would have had to, oh. you might have paid, we call it, it used to be HEX when I went through, but now it's called HELP. 
yeah. lower education just insanely loan. Yeah. So like, you basically defer paying insane until you get a job. Insane amount of money. Yeah, it's a huge amount. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. So I can see why they're a profit. The yeah, university so, gets that straight away. So they they're making even though there's four hundred thousand international students versus one million, there's a lot more money made from those four thousand four hundred thousand international students. Mm, yeah. yeah. So we're at the point right now that international the education of international students is australia's third largest export whoa after it's behind koalas it's behind iron and coal okay where are koalas on the list uh it, not in the top 10 okay well exporting surprising. koalas yeah that's the koala not, meat that's not woke koala meat so the value of international education has doubled in the last 10 years wow from uh 14 billion to 28 billion um, and so where does South Australia sit in that mix? Hmm. And so this comes back to mostly the, the University of Adelaide one. But out of that 28 million, South Australia is only getting 1.5 billion. Only. Only 1.5 billion. Yeah. So um, we're really performing under our weight compared to some of the other states. Hmm. So for instance, New South Wales and Victoria are both getting 10 billion. Whoa. Oh, yeah, that is significantly lower. All right, so we'll come back to that SA particular money later on with yep. the restructure, but I've got, I've got two more stats to really get us into the Flinders Uni restructure and then one of you two can start talking. Let's do it. I like your so, voice. Um, profit, so profits have doubled in the last 10 years. What about academic staff numbers? I've got those stats. Ooh, Ooh. Can I predict that they've, they're down to two-thirds? Oh, you think they've gone down in, the, in that same time period? Uh, yeah. No, they haven't gone oh, down. Okay. So the profits have doubled. Yeah. But academic staff numbers have increased by one hundred and thirty percent. Okay. So two hundred percent for profit, one thirty percent for staff numbers. So they're not going up At in the, the same, same rate. amount. Yeah. So you're getting more bang for your buck. Yeah. With the staff numbers. And then I've got another set of stats hmm. is um at a university, as an academic, you can be employed in a teaching and research position. Mm-hmm. You could empl- be employed in a research-only position, and you can be employed in a teaching-only position. Mm-hmm. So in this same time period where we've gone up by 130% uh, in staff numbers, the teaching and research, this balanced position, those numbers haven't increased. Okay. But what has increased is the research-only position by an incremental amount. And the teaching only position has doubled in the last 10 years. So that's matching the increase in students. Yep. Okay. Well, that makes sense because you've got more students to teach. It would make logical sense that you're going to have more teaching academics. Yeah. But generally a university, to be a true university academic, you should also be excelling in the research in that field, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, so all right, so that, that brings So in fact, to, you've got a lot more teaching because you've got the balanced academics doing teaching and now you've got twice as many teaching specialists as well. But that twice as many is going up from 8,000 to 16,000, okay. whereas the teaching and research has stayed steady at 25,000. Okay, interesting. Well, let's, let's take one of Claire's question then. So based on teaching and research... And a traditional academic would have both an admin, which is someone told me once that admin takes up 80% of your time and then you squeeze in the teaching and research wherever you can. 
Well, I'm sure no matter if you're a teaching only, you're also you're teaching an admin, and if yeah. you're research only, then you're research and admin. Yeah, right. And if you're teaching and research, then you're teaching research yeah. and admin. You yeah. don't get away from admin. Admin, yeah. bloody admin. admin's supposed to take up, I think, a third of your Ugh, time or something. Admin. Like that. Ugh. Yeah. Um. So, would you feel that you are a better researcher or better academic if you were teaching and researching? As opposed to research only? Yeah. I I don't think so. I think that teaching, the it's pretty hard to actually teach what you're researching. Mm. Um, and so I don't, I don't think teaching, the only way that teaching would help my research is if I was branding myself to potential students. Yeah, okay. Um, and the only reason why I really want to do teaching is because that's the real... That's where the money is at for possibility of continuing work. Yeah, yeah. Gibbo. Mm. Uh, I, I, yeah, I haven't really got much extra to add to that. I think that's that's the basic thing. So if you are a research focused, then the big advantage is you can spend more time supervising your students, writing papers, writing grants. That's bound to help your research. Mm. But if you're research focused and you're not doing your teaching, then you don't have any exposure to students coming through. Yeah. So there is a bit of a chicken and the egg problem there as well. You do I think I think you you know a balanced academic the good thing about that is you get exposure to students that you can then potentially have work in your group. Mm. And you need them. Without them, how are you going to do the research that you need to write the papers? Mm. The problem is it's that balanced that whole balance problem. So if you talk to a lot of balanced academics they'll just say when it's term time or semester time and they're teaching, they haven't really got much time for anything else. Yeah, yeah. And so then you end up with a situation where that's all they can really do and then they're trying to squeeze in all their research during the times when the students aren't around. Mm. And usually, especially at the end of the year and up until the grant season starts, which is about March is when they're due, they're just flat out with grants. Yeah, right. So I think the best balance is really to be research focused but do a bit of teaching as well, maybe not first year but second and third years. So you're encountering the students in the later part of their degrees. The student numbers are smaller. Yeah. And you don't need to do as many classes. And also, I imagine from your point of view, to be able to teach in your speciality and not just like first year where you do, you know, broad phys chem or yeah. broad, like that would probably be more rewarding, right? That you actually teach in your speciality. And you're not going to see that. I mean, those students aren't going to be doing any postgraduate degrees for another three years. Yeah, okay. Well, a lot of the best students in first year will say in chemistry are actually doing medicine so oh right they're not yeah. even they're not even in the ballpark you're never going to see them again yeah. yeah right so yeah. there's advantages and disadvantages to the different sort of roles but but teaching definitely i think is important to get students into your group yeah but it can overtake everything else it's interesting so i was in a very different position or different mindset when i was an academic because i was always trying to teach and that wasn't trying to get students. That was because that was the part of the job I liked the most. Mm -hmm. And so whenever like a teaching focused position come up, I was always like, oh, I should go for this. Or like, I hope one comes up soon. I would love to apply for it. Um, so what about a, an academic that just loves to teach, like irrespective of the fact that they want to indoctrinate some students to do some free work for them well, for a I mean, while. Like, yeah. is that a rarity? Is that something no, that just no, doesn't you, exist? You, you definitely get some lecturers who enjoy teaching. And if you excel in that part of it, it can be really useful for promotion and things like that. Yeah. 
So I know some academics like like uh, who we've mentioned before, Justin Chalker has won mm. some teaching awards. Mm. Uh, and so what he, he actually got some undergraduates to do labs and they actually published papers based on the on the work they did. God. Yeah. That's and, that's clever. And and because he's te- he's getting his papers up as well. He's got good research, he gets good exposure to the students, and you know, getting teaching awards is very good for um, promotion activity and things yeah. like that. So it can be it can be really, really useful. And it is it is nice to teach as well. We didn't we made that sound probably a bit mercenary before. It's not just really about grabbing students for your group. It can be nice to to teach students for the to see them grow. All that stuff. Uh, all yeah, that stuff. All that, that great yeah. stuff. Yeah. Schmoopster, have you benefited from someone that's like research uh, and or like more heavily teaching or have all your lecturers been balanced in the past? Is you think there's been a, a particular reason why they're good at lecturing and yeah so i i don't know i don't think anyone was teaching only when i went through yeah i gotta say i don't really know exactly what a lot of them did <laughs> as, as far as i yeah, was concerned right. when i was going through undergrad they were all teachers only yeah i, I didn't yeah. really realize that they were all supposed to be doing research at the same time <laughs> yeah right did you know that when you were going through undergrad I, um i knew that they did like projects but it was in the same way that my dad would talk about my research like oh he's doing a little project like yeah. i kind of thought it was like that not like it was the main thrust of their day yeah like i had no inclination at all that like the teaching was their least favorite part of their job yeah right or maybe the admin's the least favorite part of their yeah, job i think it was a student i just sort of thought the word world revolved around me and that was all they really wanted to do was teach me teach you i was wrong you've changed too haven't you i have thank you uh, i've grown i'm woke awake uh, so i so i don't know i and i i so i haven't experienced it firsthand yeah. what a teaching only person does i think the best teachers i had i know now that they were also very research active at the same time all right and they tend to, they tend to be now the best researchers mm. so i think that they were just like the best at their job they happen to be the best at teaching and research mm. uh mm. but i think that when i kind of found out how little teaching prepared these people need to be to become teachers at university yeah to become lecturers yeah it kind of makes sense i think that does make sense to have teaching specialists Mm. um i think as well but in the university context of they need to be teaching specialists i.e do research into teaching right that's what people are pushing for yeah so it's kind of it would be nice to have someone who maybe even did phd in chemistry worked a few years maybe six years I'm describing myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then and then wanted to do research into chemistry teaching. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't really I don't think that seems doesn't really seem to be a job a, pathway, a pathway that's no. obvious. Yeah. And I, not that I don't really want to do that either, but I think that someone like that would would actually be perfect to teach chemistry at a university. Mm. Because a lot of the a lot of researchers are rubbish at teaching yeah they don't really want to do it and i was bored in almost all of my lectures the Mm. entire undergraduate yeah i remember we had a lecturer called chris morley dr morley and he you could tell he hated being there Mm. and uh he had he had a bit of a nervous cough as well but i think that that was just because he was like he hated being there it showed his nervous cough got like worse 
and it was just an unpleasant experience for everyone to the point where even though I'm sure that the topic was quite interesting it became an absolute drag and, and do you think he was in he, why was he doing it then simply because he had, had to. to do it yeah yeah and he wasn't he wasn't interested in harvesting the nope. group for students no nope. someone he, like that shouldn't they should just be bored out of their teaching yeah and given to someone who's got passion he for came it. in Wrote stuff on the chalkboard. Yeah, that's how old. Because there are there are lecturers who do have a genuine passion for teaching. Yeah, and I think that you know that's obviously a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think we haven't really talked about the restructure at all. So well, two hundred people being right. asked to uh, reapply for their jobs. Mm. What's the deal with that, Chris? Well, um, I guess it comes down to some of the stuff you touched on about making universities more efficient. No, but what's the deal? Assume you want to know the assume, details? Assume a listener hasn't heard of this story before. Well, I I don't want to go into too many details, but um, I, I, I'm not aware <laughs> All right, of... Andy, explain. <laughs> what's the deal with 200 people being asked to reapply for their jobs? So, at Blinders University, they were going through a restructure where they were trying to either get rid of jobs... Mm. Or make, I mean, under the guise of a turning an, a research institute into a re- research college, right? Which is bringing together a load of different schools into under one umbrella and calling that a college. Is well, that they were, right, they were sort of centralizing things. So, yeah. So we had schools. The schools were in a faculty. Yeah. And what they've actually done is they've combined faculties together yeah. into what they call a college now. And so and the some, schools are now gone. Yeah, right. And someone was telling me that this is kind of like what happens at universities and institutes is that it becomes fashionable to be centralized mm-hmm. and that happens. And then a few years later, they go, oh, we need to decentralize because that's what makes us more efficient but mm-hmm. i wonder if it's just a way to cut the fat after each time kind of like a spring clean of academics well it must be difficult to fire someone like in, yeah. in australia it's very difficult to fire people people yeah. on permanent positions they kind of do they need this restructure to then find a loophole yeah to a, ask people to reapply for their a, job yeah absolutely so yeah so by getting people to reapply for their job obviously they're they're asked for their metrics which is how much money they've brought in what's their h index what's their high like their publication level over the last x number of years and so uh i think and, uh, now it's number of uh student supervisions is important as okay well. and that number of students completed and so i believe at flinders it was in scope and out of scope and so you weren't even considered or you weren't even asked to reapply if you satisfied a number of key metrics hmm. Yeah, or if you're like me, you're on contract. I was out of scope. Yeah. So if okay. you're contract staff, you're not, you weren't included in the restructure. Yeah, yeah. And so, Gibbo, what do you think? Restructure. What is, a, how what? has it affected? How has, <laughs> it, how has it affected the old, uh, the old university? You know, the idea behind it all is, like I said before, it's that it, they keep calling it, you know, improving efficiency. Yeah. So you're trying to, you know. If people are doing duplicate jobs and things like that, that's why if you centralize things into a college, then you you compress the number of admin staff. Yeah. You have admin staff for the college and they cover all what used to be the old schools. Yeah. We had a number of restructure, academic, we had professional staff and technical mm. staff. So there's been a, just a general restructure across the whole thing. Mm. So it is tough on morale. Mm. I think that's fair to say uh, because it just introduces a huge amount of uncertainty. Yeah. 
and universities i think there's been a couple of universities now in south australia that have been through this restructure yep. and it's not it, they've not done it quickly it's not like they've done it like a band-aid or it's like it's all over and done with there's like rumors and there's like steering committees that talk about stuff yeah, this so, one seemed to be coming for years yeah it's even when long, i worked long there. process long process yeah. so so often the first stage is that we'll offer sort of redundancies and packages so yeah. there might be people who are nearing retirement and it's just easier for them if they just take a package yeah. and they go. So we had, we've lost, there's been quite a few staff leave as a result of that process. Yeah. And that took a long time for that yeah. to go through. But now they have gone through and a lot of people aren't affected. Their jobs aren't changed, but there is a certain percentage whose jobs are what we would, what they call affected. Now, that doesn't mm. mean they automatically lose their job, mm. but their job may have changed. So a balanced academic may be going to a teaching specialist yeah. or about some balanced academics are going to research focused. Yeah. And for them, for some of them, that's a good thing. Mm. For some of the academics going from balanced to teaching focused, they may not like that so much. Who makes that decision? Uh, so that would be done at the college level. Okay. Um, God, that must be a horrible job for them. Yeah, Imagine I, sat there being like, okay, this, you know, looking at the metrics and then maybe pushing someone into a place that they don't want to go, like teaching or research focused yeah, or. Yeah, that, that's true. But then you might, you know, you also get some academics who maybe their research side hasn't been going strong for a long time and they're happy to move into a teaching specialist yeah, role. Yeah. But the other problem comes in are they slotted straight in or do they have to reapply? Mm. And for some people, having to reapply for what they consider their own job mm. is something they may not be happy about. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely a process that I think is almost impossible to do smoothly. Yeah. Like there's going to be hiccups and people are going to get upset. I yeah, don't think yeah. you can avoid that. And overall, I'd love to see the stats when it's all been and done because there would have to be some reduction in staff. Mm. You know, now is that the entire purpose of the whole thing at the start? Cynically, you could say yes. Mm. Um, the university obviously has a completely different perspective. They would say that they're producing efficiency for the for the greater good for the greater good in the next twenty five years. Yeah, yeah. So talking about the greater good, mm. two universities in Adelaide, as Mike pointed out, Uni Adelaide and Uni SA, yeah, talked about merging for the greater good. And I, I really thought that was going to happen because it was publicly announced. Well, so they that's right. I think they announced it and then they said it was going for a public uh, forum and mm. then all, the, all this sort of stuff. But Schmoopy, maybe what could you just explain why that's even a good idea in the first place? Why even combine two universities which on the surface seem to be doing quite well on their own? So they're both, they're both making money. Yep. Uh, that's on Wikipedia. Uh, but as I said before, the state of South Australia, which we're which we're all in, mm. is not getting a lot of this international student money um, out of the out of the national pie. Yeah, and it's because in our state we do not have a university that's ranked inside the top one hundred in the world. Right. Whereas the states with two universities in the top one hundred are getting most of the money. Yeah. So that's so New, where, South, New uh, South Wales and Victoria. All right. Okay. Um, so the two, so University of Adelaide is the highest ranked in uh, South Australia. But someone said it's like at the so there's something in Australia called the Group of Eight. Yes. And some and so those are the eight most prestigious universities. I like to think yeah. of so themselves. The, the oldest and richest universities are in the Group of Eight. But yep. Adelaide is in the at the bottom of the Group of Eight. Adelaide is ranked lo the lowest out of all okay. of the Group of Eight. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, so it's ranked between 100 and 150, and UniSA is uh, between 300 and 350 in the world. Yeah. And really, the international people are really looking for top 100 universities now. Absolutely, yeah. So um, I had a thing with, a, with our group at Flinders Uni a few years ago where a student wanted to join our research group um, with an international scholarship from their home country, but they weren't allowed to join a university unless it was in the top 100 in the world. Yeah, right. Um, so the University of Adelaide, uh, it's not just easy to just get better and then to reach the top 100. Huh. So it's the smallest um, in student numbers and in area out of the group of eight. So a lot of the stats are based upon student completions, mm. um, research income. But if you're the smallest university, it becomes difficult to increase your ranking. Yeah. yeah. So yep. in Fair contrast, enough. then UniSA is about the same student numbers as the University of Adelaide, but it has a lot of area. So it has a lot of campuses around the state. Yeah. And so that gives it room to grow it, new buildings, yeah. um, develop new courses, yeah. and then uh, really grow those student so numbers. So that's, that's interesting to me that the physical footprint of the university can dictate like how successful it can become. Yeah, it's something that I've heard a few times at the Uni Adelaide have a problem uh, it's problematic how small the campus is yeah and that's oh, because okay. for that's international listeners that aren't familiar with adelaide adelaide is just this tiny city and there's nowhere like it's got sea on one side hills on the other side so say if we combine so both universities have 20 21,000 students yeah they combine then you get a university with 42,000 students that's then the university with the fourth highest student number in Australia. Okay. So there's still other universities bigger, bigger. than the two combined. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. Uh, and so three of those ones are in Victoria and the other ones in New South Wales. So the, the states with the big um, money coming in are also the ones with the universities Who with big massive. populations. Yeah. And, and therefore, by that logic, they would be well in the top eight and possibly in the top 100 then. Yep. And then they would get more international students. And could grow even more. And grow even more. And they've got space because they they've absorbed UniSA. Exactly. Ah. Mm. Sounds like a good idea. Sounds like a great idea. Sounds what like happened, a- I wonder? <laughs> we can only guess. So uh, they released... So the, there was the, this idea, I think, was released in February. Yeah. Uh, there was a paper released in August with how far they've gotten up until then. Mm-hmm. And then the whole thing was um, called off not too long ago, maybe in October. I can't exactly remember. Yeah, it was the only date. a couple of weeks. Like, yeah, not long ago. Yeah. Uh, and so in the in the paper in August, they released a lot of the uh, con- conflicts, the, the things that were going to make it difficult. Um, and so one of them is just that it would be a bureaucracy nightmare to merge two universities together. Yeah. Uh, so there hasn't been... There, there have been many university mergers um, going on, but often it's like a... Um, like an acquisition an acquisition so uh, the university in manchester is one of the better examples of a merger there were two universities in manchester i can't remember their names uh but they merged and Mm. now that university is i think even top 10 in the world yeah wow wow. brilliant um so and then another issue would be that uh in this case so uni adelaide is the prestigious one it's in the group of eight so uni sa would basically disappear so a lot of people have put mm. a lot of work 
recently into making UniSA competitive with University of Adelaide, which it is. Yeah. And then these people who have perhaps spent a lot of their spare time in the last 15 years (laughs) building a university. Building a university might feel like this is going, have, would have gone nowhere. Mm. Yeah. Um, And so the, the chancellor of the University of South Australia was apparently the one most interested in the idea out of their board. Mm hmm. Uh, he resigned or he stepped down at the end of his term sometime in September. Mm. And then soon after that, the whole idea was called off. Okay. Okay, okay the plot thickens then. <laughs> Obviously, it was partly or strongly his brainchild then. Yeah. I Well, yeah, that seems like it. That's yeah, what yeah, I'm getting yeah. through. Yeah. And I overheard a conversation in a toilet cubicle. Ooh, oh, oh, this is starting to say. This is just getting juicy. <laughs> yeah. this, this must be true. Rumor, rumor. Un, unfounded rumor rumor round did they rumor mill did they know you were there no you, cubicles <laughs> closed you're shitting yeah you hear stuff my feet are up off the floor <laughs> for comfort <laughs> for comfort and ease the door is mysteriously locked from the inside <laughs> Anyway, tell us about this juicy goss, Schmoops. so the rumor is that UniSA would only agree to the merger if all of their um if they had all of the positions of power in the restructured university yeah that's that's <laughs> so, kind of a, a bit of a so they would have so a lot they keep the vice chancellor they keep yeah. the deputy uh, okay. vice chancellor the research president and and whatever else is within that yeah. power system yeah. yeah okay that could be quite a few positions yeah schmoopy final word what what was the Word on the ground when you heard about the acquisition, were people excited? You didn't, re- you feel like it didn't really affect you that it was just a kind of organisational thing, and you ca- you'd carry on as normal. Uh, I think I was more excited than most people. A lot of the people I talked to have continuing positions, yeah, and I think that they were a little bit concerned uh, about right. their own job security, yeah, and so that kind of came through in their opinion of the whole thing. Mm. Uh, but whenever I said that, um, let's put that aside, it, it would be good for the state, though, wouldn't it? Then uh, unanimously people will agree to that. Yeah, mm, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I, it would have been good. Uh, it would have been really difficult and there would have been years of tough times. Mm. Um, anyway, it didn't happen. Maybe yeah. next time. Next time. This is like giving up smoking. you got to have a few few attempts before it succeeds. Yeah. You need to say patch. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Our next section is Science This, where we use our transferable science skills to science the shit out of an everyday activity. And this week, the activity is... Science This is horse racing! <laughs> or inspired by the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, the Melbourne Cup. Which was yesterday. Which is the race that stops the nation. As someone who is not from this land, but has come and owned it, mm. right? I feel like I'm doing a great job here. It is amazing to me that you guys have a race that is that is cruel, that stops the nation, and is known for getting really, really drunk and, and leery. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You guys have horse racing in England, though, don't you? Yeah, but it doesn't become Australian like yours. Yours oh, okay. is like 
debauchery of the highest level. Like, I think in the UK, isn't it all like classy and like hats and no. stuff? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, That's, good, no. Is that the, I mean, the people in Australia have classy and they look classy and have hats on at the start of at the, the day. day. That's right, yeah. It's and just at it, the end of the day at drinking that you see the people peeing everywhere yeah. and vomiting everywhere. It's when the real Aussies come out, yeah. Aussie, mm. Aussie, Aussie. Yeah, very good. Um, so I'll go first, guys. Let's do it. I hinted at, I hinted at it a little bit about my premise. Oh, no, you're doing the same as me. Mate, it's a bit cruel, isn't it? <sighs> yes. It's a bit cruel. Yeah. Whipping. So actually this year, the office, the co-working space I was in, they ran sweeps and they did the normal thing. And look, in the past, I'd be all over it. Little 33-year-old Andy inside and outside, obviously, look at him. He was like, he was like, maybe now is the time not to support that stuff. You know, like everyone's got to have a good time. But I didn't want to be that sad sap in the office that was like sat there doing work. And they were like, Andy, come watch the race. And I'm like, I am not doing this for animal <laughs> rights reasons. You know, like, so I decided that I would just go for a little bit of a walk at that time. It, the streets were empty. It was really nice, actually. So you didn't lord your superior morals over on other people? No, I thought because everyone in the office would be like, Andy, come up. And I would have to have had that conversation. Yeah, they would have thought, that, Andy. That's a waste of superior yeah. morals, my friend. Yeah, friends. I know. I know. That's a so waste. what I wanted to do is I, instead of horse racing, Mm-hmm. This is kind of, it's using horses still, yeah. but this is about a game where you have to make the horses as happy as possible. Oh, okay. Okay. So the Melbourne Cup is awarded to the team that can create the environment to make horses the happiest. The happiest horse. The happiest horse goes to the winner. Wow. The cup goes to that. What do horses like, Andy? Mate. Apples. I'm pleased you asked, right? Apples, carrots. So, they like grazing. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's one of their favorite things. They like rubs. They like being bathed. Mm. They love sex. Mm-hmm. All right. So Do they? This is already yeah. getting blue. Yeah. Easy. Hey, mate. Easy. I'm, it's nature. It's nature. Mm. Um, I feel controversy so coming So, what on. I'm imagining is, at the beginning of the day, teams are given a blank box like, I don't know, a couple meters by a couple meters, enough to hold a horse comfortably, right? And for it to move around. Mm. They have got a few hours to transform that box into a horse heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm. What would you put in it, Gibbo? Uh, probably some, uh, some, some grass or hay that they like to eat. All right, good. You know? Yep. Um, and I don't know. That's, that's <laughs> some, just some food. <laughs> well, I, I you're not of, winning the Melbourne Cup. Did you, did you not hear him? Horses love sex. <laughs> oh. I'm putting in a horse with the opposite of the opposite gender. A All pretty right. one. A, pre- <laughs> a pretty one. A good. Pretty one. But I would think that that's, <laughs> Chris is just uh... that, that space isn't very big. Like they like big open spaces. All right. So you oh, want? He's, wanna... he's already limited. You're, you're just opening. You're, the tor- fence. you're torturing. Are them. you putting a window in? But you're torturing them. If you, <laughs> is, is, it, is it an enclosed cube? It's a you cube. Put, you can put a window in yeah. so they can see outside. Yeah. That's or maybe very, you're painting it yeah. so they look like there's loads oh, of space. Mirrors on the Mir- side. Yeah, infinite space <laughs> with infinite horses they could shag. But don't horses <laughs> like to run? I'd put, I'm putting in a treadmill. Tre- now we're talking, mate. I'm right, putting in now, a treadmill. Now I'll, you're thinking. My whole thing's that, a hamster wheel, a horse wheel. Horse wheel. All right, so... <laughs> This is this is the see this is a Melbourne Cup I want to watch. All right. Now the question you're asking yourself is, Andy, huh? how do you know if a horse is happy? 
Oh, yeah. I was asking that. That's right. right. I'm not asking myself. I'm asking Andy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Andy, how are they happy? Well, there's two things. Dopamine? That's Well, we could measure those things, but I was trying to get a better way. I was trying to find some science about this. Ooh. And so I found two studies. The first one is from the University of Sussex in the United Kingdom, and they've created the Equine Facial Action Coding System, <laughs> or Equifax. Nice. <laughs> and so what they've done is they've watched... Uh, 15 hours of horse behavior in eighty much in, <laughs> in 86 horses. Okay, that's a bit better. All right, now Shroops is happy. Imagine... They like, should have... Is that 15 hours total in 80... They should, they've really reported that the wrong way. They have, yeah. They should yeah. have multiplied 15 by 82. But can you imagine being that mm. PhD student? What are you doing for your PhD? I watch horse footage and watch their face. Yeah, I've seen... PhD students waste more time than that. <laughs> um, all right. So what they've done is uh, they've determined any discrete expressions made by the horses and tried to work out whether they're positive or negative. And so by dissecting a horse's head and di- identifying its facial musculature Whoa, uh, whoa, I thought you weren't being cruel. Now you're cutting their faces no, up. No, they're watching it, mate. They're not cutting their faces up. dissecting their faces. Yeah. With a knife? Oh. Yeah, look. In this study, they've dissected a horse's head. <laughs> Hang on. I, I'm not sure, but I have a weird feeling. I'm going to throw this out I, there. That, that is cruel to the horse. It's already dead, so it's not cruel. Do you know, I read this as in like they really dissected like the details of the horse's movement. But now rereading it. They dissected a horse's head. Yeah. It couldn't be any plainer. Yeah. Um, oh dear. All right. So, <laughs> so look. All Just right. barge your head, Eddie. Just <laughs> barge your head. Mate. We're going to be kind we're today, We're killing remember? one horse. <laughs> to sa- to, <laughs> to give save millions many. pleasure. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, we're going to get past that. Sorry, Petter. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, they're looking at that and they're able to identify based on the knowledge of the muscle systems, all these little kind of things and facial things that horses can do. What they've done is they've come up with a load of different things, put it on Equifax, and now they can use that to determine if a horse is happy or sad. Mm. All right. Number one, that's first study. Second study, what else do horses do? You've looked up two studies. Thank you. Nice. What else, what else do horses do? They run. They run. Uh, fart. They make noise. Oh, yeah, yeah of course they right? do. They go... Sleep? Eat? They, yeah. You, there we go. That's you very are good. all over this equine stuff. Well, <laughs> well done, you. Well done. So, there was another uh, study in PLOS One. Oh, I've heard of the old PLOS um, One. And it's titled, An Unexpected Acoustic Indicator of Positive Emotions in Horses. Ooh. They've dissected a horse's ear. Yeah, that's right. They've killed a number of horses. Um, Okay, so the results show that snort production was significantly associated with situations known to be positive for horses. The more snorting, the better. Just like when Chris is making sweet, sweet love. Two, the riding school horses produce twice as many snorts when in a pasture than when in a stall. Oh, well, pasture them up. Pasture them up. And three, naturalistic population 
of horses emitted significantly more snorts than riding schools uh, than riding school ones in comparable contexts. Keep so the, keep the horses free. You've keep done the it, horses man. You've free. Done it. You've done it again. So what we're doing is we're measuring snorts. We're using cameras to detect the little tiny facial movements, and I'm looking at these and I'm going that is a positive hmm. situation for this horse. That is the happiest horse. Therefore, the winner of the Melbourne Cup goes to... And that's when I'd say the winner. I played a computer game for a while called Zoo Tycoon. Oh, that sounds very boring. <laughs> and is this like Roller Coaster Tycoon, but for zoos? We're, we're, yes, we're supposed is. to be kind to each other this science this, remember? Yeah, I am. And in Zoo Tycoon, the idea was that you made the perfect pasture for each of your animals. Mm. Nice. And if they were happy, they performed for the crowd. Yeah. And then if and they would mate if they were happy as well. Yeah. Oh, so good. you were basically describing real life zoo tycoon. Oh my god. And zoo tycoon was amazing. There you go. I Com- am that's amazing. a compliment. My friend. That is. Oh, thank you very you ready much. Ready for a compliment from me? Nope. Andy, that was incrementally better than, than many <laughs> of your previous science this is. Well, do you know what? I was like I had a, I had a fair a spare hour today. I was like, I'm probably gonna go look at some uh peer-reviewed literature well done thank you i'm proud of you thank well you. done okay now over to moi the gibmeister sorry you, you should you introduce me no you've done it yourself mate so uh we have a little bit of overlap um in terms of our overarching philosophy of happy horses uh i'm well it, it we, we we start and stop here i think horse racing is very cruel to horses yeah and i think the gambling side of it is not all that great for humans. Right. So I'm tackling both. I'm doing both. Okay. All right. All right, here we go. Are we ready? Ready. All right. So firstly, I'm tackling cruelty to horses. So I believe we can still have horse racing, but let's reverse the power dynamic. The horses whip the humans. Let's switch the oppressor oppressed The horses gamble on human racing. Let's have horses... Ride the humans. Yeah. All right. Let's let's let the horses get some revenge. How many human people does it take to run with a horse? Well, is it one and one? We're not going to put a horse on someone's back. We're going to use so a strong. We have these strong person contests. Oh yeah. Strong. Ooh, I like strong this. person contests. Yeah. Because. I'm not just self-actualized in the modern parlance. Yeah, you know, pointing it out makes it means makes, <laughs> makes it worse. Away. You gotta be kind to me. I am <laughs> I am awake. I am awake. So I mean if, if there's one thing whenever I think about you, I often think <laughs> Gibbo's awake. I'm awake. That's what the kids say today. I'm awake. No, they say you're you're woke. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> woke? Woke's not a real word. It is. They're like that's they woke. say awake. On the, they say woke. They say what? Like that's. I think they say like that's woke. Like that's wicked. Or like yeah, that's woke. All right. Well, I'm woke too. I'm that as well. <laughs> I'm woke. <laughs> I'm woke, kids. I'm woke. And so therefore, I'm all about this oppressed oppressor dynamic. Yeah. Because I know what it's like. You know, to be I'm oppressed. A, I'm an oppressed mass. Yeah. Look at me. So anyway, uh, strong people, strong persons. I have this uh, event called the vehicle pool. Yeah, and they put on a harness and a rope, and they attach it to some vehicle or something. Yeah, and then they pull it, and then they pull it. We are going to do the same thing, but we're going to have a cart, and in the cart, we're going to have some horses, and those horses are going to get pulled by strong human beings, <laughs> and that is going to be right. the race. Now we are not. Now we're not going to do like one horse in the cart. We're going to have a cart big enough that it can carry uh, two metric tons of horse. 
Whoa. So why am I doing that, do you think? Why do you think I'm going for a certain weight of horses? No, it could be two horses, three horses, doesn't matter. Because you want to be cruel to horses and make them put them all in a confined space. No, no, the cart's going to be big enough so they'll have lots of space. You're going to create one massively obese horse per cart. No, no. No, because if you because it's the weight of a vehicle. No, because if you were to say you have to pull one horse, that's one horsepower. What would happen is to compete more effectively, we would start breeding smaller and smaller horses. Right, because so that's what go human beings. <laughs> that's what human beings. We would do. start cheating. Like we've already got smaller horses. We do. We have miniature horses, and they're tiny. But we would try and breed them even smaller. Look what that we did, we've done to bulldogs. Bulldogs can barely breathe. Yeah. All for show and things like that. So we're yeah. going to get around that by going for metric weight. Yeah. All right. That's what we're going to tow. Yeah. All right. Um, and we'll go over. You went a, into a lot of detail about yeah. that very specific rule. But yeah, no, I, yeah, I, know I know it's important to you. Well yeah. done. Well, because I did it and I thought the guy's going to get me on that, but I overestimated your intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were weak. Uh, so that that's why I'm going for that 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 weight, and then. Did I call you guys weak? Sorry. Yeah, look, I meant to right. say actualized of average intelligence. <laughs> um, what distance should we do it over, guys? A uh, couple k. Ooh, oh, a couple of k. 40, I was going to do forty-two two- kilometers. 42. <laughs> a marathon. Oh, you guys are harsh. I was only going to do two hundred meters. Was, All right, was oh, boring. As, All right, two metric tons is hard to move. Why not three thousand two hundred meters? The same length as a Melbourne Cup. I like it. I like it. And we're switching from two metric tons to one metric ton. All right. Well done. How much does a horse weigh? The uh, average horse. I think because so a thousand pounds is sometimes a really big horse. Yeah, I think they're about 500 kilos. Very good. All right. So I I was just worried that to get to your metric ton, we would have to be one and a half horses. (laughs) Yeah. One big horse, a Clydesdale and a miniature horse. Yeah. All right. Um, Now the gambling, what are we going to do about that? Just don't do it. I'm a realist. Do we, do we really want to stop people gambling? You're an awake realist. I'm a woke realist. <laughs> right. Right. Are we really going to stop people gambling? You Don't mean, people have the right to gamble? Don't. Do whenever they? you ban something, so. it goes underground. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Brilliant. So we're going to um, allow gambling to occur, uh, but it is bad for you. It's bad for your health. It's bad for society. There's been yeah. lots of studies shown that it's 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 a net negative for society. Um, and so my logic would be that a lot of the problems are called from loss of income. All right. People lose all their money. That produces stress. That produces violence. That yeah. produces a lot of bad outcomes yeah. for the world in general. So each gambler will have to have their financial situation assessed by the government. The government will take over completely <laughs> all gambling, just like they do with lotteries. Yeah. All right. Once again, we need a totalitarian state for this to work. It's, we've done it in the past. We've done it in the past. We'll do it again. Um, so you would effectively have to apply to make a bet just as you would for a home loan, for example. Okay. And the gambling would be permitted as long as the gambler's financial situation could absorb the loss if that occurs. And that's how I would get rid of the problem of people losing too much money during gambling. And that's how I would allow horses to no longer be the oppressed do you th- in horse racing. Do you think horses would enjoy the the ride in the Cart. So it would be set up, they'd have a little nose bag, maybe a little bit of grass, maybe some of your little, uh, that rubbish scenery you talked about in your, your, yeah. your excellent science, <laughs> this, your excellence, sorry, sorry. And so they, they'd have their own little, you know, because these guys, all that weight gets added to what they got to tow. Why, why can't they just have like a mass? Yeah, a weight. Or why don't they just pull a vehicle, just a vehicle? Because this is horse racing. <laughs> 
and and the horses i guess i guess the we, horses in a way are racing in this yes they are yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. without the horses there is no horse racing <laughs> so they have to race i kind of like the idea that um maybe so you're pulling like a float basically and it's going relatively slowly yeah so why not have like um like pretty horses and people are on the sides and they want to view the horses for their beauty as they go past. Mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. maybe maybe the third one along has a, a stationary marching band in it, like hap- often happen at parades and things. Yeah. So what would you bet on in this uh, in this situation? Uh, each guy pulling is being timed still. Okay. All right. So say it's a three kilometer long stretch, mm-hmm. and they three point two, and they're being timed. Mm-hmm. To pull their thing along. Meanwhile, people are enjoying it because of the beauty of the of person the pulling the thing and the horses who are on the floats. Yeah. You've taken one of the best science this is we've ever had, <laughs> and you've made it better. Thank you very much. I think that's a great idea. That's collaboration. That's collaboration for you right there. You've just heard it, listeners. A collaboration of science. This never happened before. Never. Never. I'm happy to be cheese in that publication. Very good, very good. Schmoops. All right, horse racing, horse speed. It's a simple matter of increasing the length of a horse's stride and increasing the rate of its stride per minute. So you're stitching horses' legs onto horses' legs. No, I also think that horse racing is immoral, so I'm not interested in making it faster. Okay, he's awake as well. Um. (laughs) Unsuccessful uh, or injured horse races are often euthanized. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Happened yesterday. And so what can we do that's moral that people can still gamble on? So along with what Chris's uh, thing was about. So the Melbourne Cup yesterday, Andy, um, maybe you saw in a news article, but the the horse that was favorite to win broke a shoulder. Uh, oh, I didn't realize. I didn't realize it was the favorite to win. I saw that there was a horse killed. Yeah, but wow. Okay, so it's the only. So I, I, I don't watch horse racing very much. The only horse race I watched for the whole year. Yeah, and it reminds me of why I don't like horse racing. Yeah, so horses are beautiful animals. They are. Um, it's just a shame that they're, yeah, killed for. for it's a shame they're this. fast. If they weren't fast, yes, we we wouldn't race them. That's right. Is it their fault in a way? <laughs> well, we've bred them that way as oh, well. Yeah, it's yeah, our fault. Yeah. So when I just turned eighteen, I used to go to the casino a lot, and at the casino in Adelaide, there's a small um, horse racing game. Yes, thing where the horses so- are all these little animatronic, um, oh, yeah, animatronic yeah. things on tracks. Yeah, and I, I, me and a friend would go. We would be there for hours just betting on horses based upon. We had a few that we really liked their name of, and so yeah. whenever they come up, we'd put a lot of money on whoa, them. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Can you imagine eighteen-year-old Smoopy hitting the casino, <laughs> the highlight of Adelaide nightlife? Was Man. it every Friday and Saturday? It was pretty often. Collared t-shirt and jeans. Had to in those days. Yeah, yeah. Knocking back your uh, couple of pints, yep. rolling out. They had dollar, dollar, dollar schooners from five to oh, six. What? what? Still, still on. Still no, do I it. I don't think so. Wow, no. that's hardcore. Yeah. Well done, man. So horse racing with computers is a good option. Yeah. Mm-hmm, uh, at mm-hmm. pubs these days, there's actually a horse, a, a simulated horse racing channel. Have you been to it? You guys don't go to sports bars as often as I do. No. No. Well, you love sports so much. There's a 24-hour simulated horse racing channel. So it's a computer. Oh, my God. It's it's a computer-generated horse races. 
which, which happen every three or four minutes. So if there's ever a break from real racing on TV, you can quickly bet on the simulated horse races with real money. Oh, my God. God, that what's, what is are the gra- What are the graphics like on it? Pretty good? So the graphics, yeah, they kind of look like uh, a children's uh, 3D um, <laughs> type show. Like a, That's hilarious. So not great. That's hilarious. That to me That's is, all you need though for people. But that, that now is problem gambling. I almost can <laughs> forgive the fact that you're like, what you're betting on is someone training a horse. Like there's a whole culture around it, whether it's good, bad or otherwise. But- to gamble on a computer simulation of that culture yeah. is a is really fucked it's, up. It's it's all just searching for that feeling of winning. Yeah. Because there's no skill at all involved when there's a computer simulation. You're no. just looking at some odds and you see six to one. All right. I, I I'd feel real good if I that if I is... win money at six to one. So the, even the odds thing, because the odds in real life are based on previous wins and weight classes, but in the yep. simulated world, yep. it's, just a computer. All, it's just a it's, it's a computer at randomly choosing which horse, just like a poker machine. Yeah, wow. well, I think that each horse has some has its own weighting and chance stuff of and, winning, and mm. it's somewhere oh. around six to one. Oh, it's obviously wow. not going to. It's going to be a little bit l- less. Or more than that, whatever makes their so money. Make money. Yeah. But the software must know in advance which one's going to win, wouldn't that yeah. be how the program would work? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Shmoopy, I've learned something, and I feel worse for society <laughs> as a result. So, like as Andy says, yeah. the problem with that, and it's not really going to take over from real horse racing, is because people don't feel like they have an inside word or yeah. their expertise in the area is really going to help out. Um. And this isn't the only... So horse racing is not the only sport that I dislike. I also don't like car racing. Mm. Uh, I think that car racing is a, is a waste of money. A lot of money goes into making these cars which then get crashed. Yeah. Or, and all the fuel that they run through as well. What about... So when you say car racing, everything from like Derby to Formula One? Yep. Okay. I don't yeah. think there's a type of car racing that I think should exist. Go-karts? Mm. I think that it shouldn't be a professional sport that can be gambled on. You just can, recreation. It's the kind of thing that probably can be done for fun, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whereas car racing in a full-size car, it also promotes dangerous and reckless driving. Mm. Uh, which, Very woke. Which then kills yeah. people. I love this wokeness. Yeah. So I think that um, let's take a baby step. So it's hard to bend both of them at once. Mm. So my science this is I'm going to amalgamate the worlds of horse racing and car racing together. Oh, 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 horses driving cyber, cars. Cyber horses. I'm going for cyber horses. Yeah. Mechanical baby. horse racing. Yes. So Robot the, horses, baby. So the, <laughs> baby. Car, the car racing mechanics are now using yeah. their mechanical skills to prepare the great mechanical horses wow. that the jockeys right. will ride upon. Nice. Do, Do you not- need jockeys on there? Oh, because you're, you're some skill. You I'm amalgamating skill. the sports. Okay. So I, I love this because we have perfected the wheel, haven't we? <laughs> not we, the horse. No, not the mechanical we, well, horse. We've done the wheel though, like a yeah. wheel. Yeah. But when you, when you look at a horse, that is, I mean, that would be really complicated. Yeah, and... I mean, this is going to accelerate the world of robotics. Yeah. Because you see the robots around now with like the, the bipedal robots. Yeah. They're pretty shitty, don't yeah. you think? Boston because- Dynamics are doing some great stuff, but they are still like robot-y. Yeah. And so mm. this is, it really needs an impetus and the, 
the biggest impetus in the world at the moment is an money. economic yeah. impetus. Market forces. And there's a, how much money, all you know, the money of horse racing and car racing going into creating mechanical horses, the findings in that are going to be directly relatable towards making mm. um, robot butlers or whatever we want bipedal robots for. Yeah. Or robot warriors. Robot butlers. <laughs> we know what Shreepy's doing with his. Robot soldiers bring with four me, legs. Jeeves, bring me another beer. Oh, I ordered the wrong one. <laughs> You'd have like a centaur, wouldn't you? Your robot centaur come in. That would be cool. That'd be brilliant. And so there we go. So we're losing the worst elements of horse racing and car racing. Yeah. No more reckless driving. No more uh, animal cruelty. Uh, at the meantime, we're maintaining jobs in the industries. People have things to gamble on, and we're going to improve the world of robotics, which we think I think is an important thing that needs help. Very good, Smoopy. Overall, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Overall, overall, pretty good. <laughs> Music is provided by the awesome Adelaide-based band Boys Rum. Go check out their stuff on their Bandcamp website. Also, remember to subscribe to us on your favorite Ladies podcast app, like our Facebook page, join in the forum, animad.net, and leave us a review on wherever you get this podcast because that helps a lot. Shmoopy. You were just listening to Publish Parish Your Podcast, and it was brought to you this week by our future sponsor, UniSA. Nice. All right. I Thank thought there was a patch coming. Thanks, UniSA. Love it. Love it. Um, final farewells. The woke man is out. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>